Ceridian creates innovative technology that organizations around the world use to attract, develop, manage, and pay their people. Its award-winning day force solution helps customers manage compliance, make better decisions, build great teams, and drive engagement with their employees. Ceridian has solutions for organizations of all sizes. Ceridian makes work life better. For more information, visit www.ceridian.com. Good morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumsher. Today we're going to be talking with Dr. David Kippen, who happens to be one of my favorite people in the whole world. David is the CEO and Chief Strategist at Aviva Brands, which is a, a small agency he founded in 2009 with his partner, Kate Newsom. And the thing that I've always loved about Aviva and David's work is that it, it, it gets to the heart of the matter rather than floundering around in the fluff. So we'll let David um, tell you some more about it. Morning, David. How are you? Good morning, John. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So, so would you take a moment and deepen the introduction I just gave you? Sure. Well, you hit all of the high notes. I'm a co-founder and CEO of Eviva. It's E-V-V-I-V-A and the word brands. Eviva means hooray in Italian, and uh, it's kind of our focus because we think a great brand experience is an authentic experience. In Italy at a soccer game, people shout Eviva when somebody makes a goal. It's not something you say unless you mean it. And we think brands should engender that same kind of authentic reaction. So in a nutshell, uh, we help companies understand how to make themselves attractive to the talent they want to attract. And we help them do it in a way that's real and authentic and based on not how much they can pretty themselves up, but in who they really are. That's great. So, so how'd you get here? How did, how did you end up running a brand agency that is, I think, I think you probably have understated what Aviva does, but, but brand agency that, that, uh, that helps companies get their story straight with the people they want to attract. How, how do you end up in that? It's an interesting story. So my partner, Kate Newsom, and I founded Eviva in 2009, uh, really with two goals. The first goal was to fail fast if we were going to fail. So 2009, the month we founded it, was the absolute bottom of the Great Recession. Um, and so we knew that either there'd be a space for us or we'd learn quickly that there wasn't. But the real goal of the business was we wanted to be a specialized employer brand agency. Um, and today we're in our eighth year. We have offices in San Francisco and Edinburgh. We've done market research in, uh, I think, more than 35 countries now. And we've been able to attract and build brands for who's who of great companies. Um, so we've been both pretty tenacious and pretty lucky. In terms of the rest of the journey and kind of what sets us apart from the other agencies in this space as we understand them, that's always imperfect, right? Because we don't get to be anybody else's client. But I think what when we look at the world, what sets us apart are a few important things. First and foremost, we're evidence-based. Um, Kate's undergraduate work was in anthropology, her PhD is in clinical psychology. 
my doctoral focus was in rhetoric, which is, you know, the art of persuasion. So between us, we're really, really good at understanding human factors. And we're also good at taking those human factors and turning them into compelling messages. And as a result of that, we're really effective. We've helped brands dramatically increase their candidate flow, uh, the percentage of right fit candidates walk through the door, but also the stickiness of job offers. And we've even helped some of them uh, strengthen and improve their company cultures really significantly. That's 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 fascinating. So so um, who's the customer? Because this this sounds kind of high end to me. Well, I, when we started out, I, I think it was pretty high end. Uh, our typical customer used to be a multinational technology company headquartered uh, usually in the United States. There have been a couple who weren't, but mostly they were U.S. based. Generally, they had. 10,000 plus employees and substantial populations in high tech hubs, places like Bangalore or Taiwan or Seoul or Beijing or all of the above. So um, they're companies that everybody's heard of, like um, our clients have included Amazon, Atlassian, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, um, and companies most people have never heard of, like um, KLA 10 Core, um, Lamb Research, or Xilinx. But as the economy has heated up over the, particularly the last three years, we've been seeing more and more business from smaller, newer companies. And those smaller, newer companies are competing with that talent profile I just mentioned. So these are companies that have a lot of ambition for big growth. They have investor funding. They have populations of a few hundred people. And they're pretty unencumbered by the, this is how it's done here, thinking that you have to have in place if you're like a Hewlett Packard or an Alaska Airlines or whatever. So these are companies that are more likely to quote uh, something like Peter Thiel's Zero to One than to quote a book about how Google or Facebook gets things done. And as a result, the kinds of challenges they're facing in terms of how they position themselves, how they make themselves attractive, how they compete are totally, totally different. So it's been over the last two and a half years, a fascinating and fantastic journey to watch that um, pretty fierce war for talent. It's almost a flanking gorilla move from such untraditional competitors. That's interesting. So, so did you just tell me that you more of your clients are in the United States than they used to be, or, or was that no, just me? No. no, our client mix hasn't changed. What's changed is our client size. It, I, I would say uh, when we started for the first four years or so, our client size was 98%, um, 10,000 plus employees and of that most of them were 150,000 plus employee companies so really large really established multinationals that went back um, at least 15 years now it's a much more balanced mix between companies like that we still have a lot of that but it's now about 60% of our business and 40% of our business are the challengers to brands like that who have mountains of money behind them because there's venture capital in the mix and uh, huge, huge growth ambitions, but they don't have big names. They don't have 
in many cases, they don't have clear value propositions. It's hard for them to say, this is us and this is what we're about. Um, But they do need absolute top talent. So it's a fascinating fight to watch from the sidelines. And when we're in the mix, we think it's it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference for a company like that who can't kind of lean back on its brand equity that everybody knows. They have to get the message right. And that's where we help. That's great. So, so how does technology affect all of this? I, I assume that, that at least some of your clients are considering the use of some I hate to call it artificial intelligence, but some sort of intermediary intelligence between uh, the entry points for talent and the um, the actual uh, interaction with human beings inside of the company. Do you, do you have some insights about what's going on technically? Not about AI. That hasn't really touched our corner of the business. We are still at... Uh, I call it the tail end of the love affair with programmatic advertising right now. We're still at the tail end of clients thinking that big data is the solution. I I think people are realizing that data is only good as, as good as the questions you know how to ask it, and that asking good questions is really, really difficult. I think there was a time when uh, our clients pretty uniformly thought, If we get enough data and aggregate it, the answer will be there. But the data sets tend to be pretty comparative. They don't tell you what's important. They tell you what's different. And since we specialize in human factors, which are about what's important, there's been a pretty nice match between some of the data that our clients bring us thinking it's complete and the work that we actually need to do to complete it. I think today where um, technology is touching us more are in the tools we're able to use for things like ethnography. There are some amazing, amazing technologies out there that where the old model used to be, you go somewhere, you have some focus groups in a market, you sit in a room for people for a couple of days, uh, sorry, for a couple of hours over the course of a few days, you have a number of them. And then you go walk the streets and try to figure out, okay, so what else? Well, today, if they have a phone, and just about everybody does, and if they're willing to participate in a a deeper conversation, there are amazing platforms that let you broaden that conversation, that lets you say, um, not only are we going to get video content or photo content or um, two-way chat-based content from a bunch of people, but we have a platform that can help us aggregate that content, that can help us distill it down, turn it into things that look kind of like mood boards, and really amplify the uh, what I think experienced researchers would call the gut feel of, yes, I'm getting something here, it's consistent, I'm hearing it from group after group after group, with a huge evidence base that makes it much clearer and much more compelling. So that's pretty exciting. And we're seeing a lot of dramatic progress in the tool sets and in the analytics that are capable um, around data sets like that. We haven't seen much incursion of AI into predictive talent analytics yet. And I think it's just because in our corner of the world, Human factors are still really complicated. People act in very unique ways, and I don't think the data sets 
Well, I don't know if they're if it's that they're not big enough or that the analysis isn't disciplined enough, but I don't think it's quite that day today. Interesting, interesting. It's coming fast. It's coming. It's coming very, very fast. I'm I'm in the middle of conversations with people about the limit and extent of of chat bots and the and their ranges of intelligence as intermediaries in the kinds of processes that you're talking about. And and, and the market is just crammed full of of claims about being able to smartly sift and interact. Um, so so it'll, it'll bubble up pretty soon. What are you seeing that has your attention? Um, I think the biggest things I'm seeing is our clients are much more focused on what we traditionally think of as the front end of the business. So when we look at the world as an agency, we divide uh, the suite of services we provide, and frankly, everybody provides in our space, into two broad areas. We call them um, expression and impression. Expression is, now I'm talking to a brand, who are you? What are you about? What makes you you? What's unique about you? What's differentiating about you? Why should anybody care that you exist? And why should anybody care to have a conversation with you, right? So it's really about um, personification and amplification of those personal parts of the brand that allow you to create something like a brand person. In our space, we say that um, the corporate brand has a personality. The employer brand is a person. And that distinction is really important because when you think about it from a talent's perspective, talent is making a long-term relationship play with a brand and it demands a lot more personal equities from that brand a lot more human-like characteristics from that brand than you or i might if we're going to go buy a pencil or a pair of tennis shoes from it right so that expression part of the business is very complicated it's potentially very deep and very rich the other part of the business we call impression, which is about getting impressions. It's about making an impression. And it's where a lot of the emphasis in the agency space has been for years and years and years. And you've seen an evolution from back in the ancient days of going from print to online and then going from online to job boards and then going from job boards to various forms of um, most recently programmatic advertising and um, really data-driven placement. But the tools and trinkets of that haven't changed a whole lot. They've gotten more interesting. They've gotten more capable. But still, ultimately, it's about serving up messages. So what we're finding is our clients are getting better and better and better at that part of the business. They're bringing more and more of it in-house. Whereas some years ago, a client really couldn't do anything. They couldn't make a banner ad. Now they do, they do and want to do almost all of it, all the way up to managing their own insertions, managing their own content generation. But it turns out that first part of the business, the um, who are you and what are you about and how should I think about you, that's getting more and more complicated. The reason is we're now able as consumers to do a real 360 around every brand. Now, when you meet a person, uh, 
sometimes you meet somebody and you say, there's something off about him or her. There's something that's just not right. And your little radar goes off and you say, I don't know if I can trust them. Well, your radar is right. And the funny thing is we use exactly that same set of emotional tools to evaluate brands, but brands aren't real people. So there are a lot more places when you can do a 360 around a brand and you can really understand it from the inside out that a brand can be off. So from a client standpoint, managing the totality of who they are, how they express themselves, how they go to market, and how they differentiate themselves is becoming more and more complex because we've got so many more pieces of data, so many more points of contact, and to sum it all up, so many more places for the advertising to fail. So, so I hear you describing the structure of um, a brand personality, and that, that strikes me as uh, an idea that I, well, I, I've never heard it before, but it strikes me as an idea with legs that are going to go a long way out into the future. Um, do you guys have have a specific way of thinking about what constitutes a personality in a brand? Yeah, we actually have a number of models. As I mentioned earlier, Kate's PhD is in clinical psychology. So we tend to take a very psychological view of a brand. We think about it in terms of psychological health, manifestations of psychological health. We think about it in terms of um, really personifying who this brand person is in ways that allow us to say, basically, is that somebody I'd want to meet? want to know, want to have a relationship with. And so we do a lot of the kinds of market research that you'd expect an agency to do. We do a fair amount of the kinds of research that you'd expect a psychologist to do. And at the end of the journey, we develop something that we call a playbook. And the, the playbook really is something that says, both from a very broad level, what are the equities of this brand? When we think of an equity, we're talking about something that's unique, that's ownable, that we can talk about because it's hard to replicate. And it's something that's emotionally meaningful. It's something that belongs to you only or you and very few like you. So what are the equities of this brand that we can build a platform around? What kinds of personality traits does this brand manifest in the way it behaves? So for example, if you look at um, 10 companies and you say, show me your top 10 performers, 10 companies, sorry, your top 10%, you 10 companies, you'll find that the behavioral characteristics of those top 10% from company to company have some things in common. You know, obviously they're all serious about their careers. They're technologically competent. They're competent in their work streams. But a lot of what makes them top 10% is actually unique to their local company culture. It's a fit between who they are and who the company is. And that fit of top performers and their companies has a lot to tell us about what it takes to succeed here as an organization, but more importantly, who you are as an organization. 
because the people who experience a relatively frictionless path of progression tends to have a lot they can teach us about the, um, I was going to say the corporate DNA, that's wrong. And it's not the corporate personality, but maybe it's the corporate psyche. So we combine um, that broad view with very granular views that say, okay, in this job function, in this location, what are the equities here? What kind of people in this marketplace are going to be attracted to those equities? Because employment marketing is really the act of selling money, but trying to sell less money than the other guy, right? If you think about it from a marketing standpoint, the employer is putting money on the marketplace and saying, take my money and give me your hours, but take as little of it as possible. Money is a commodity. People aren't joining for that commodity. They're joining for the intangibles that surround that commodity. So our job is to help the companies amplify the effectiveness of that commodity, very much like you know a tree puts a blossom out, that blossom has nectar in it, the nectar is undifferentiated. So the tree has to think about when other trees are in bloom to get bees. It's very much the same model. Wow, so you're competing for bees, or you're competing for bees' nests, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> and that's important because a lot of our, comp our competition is looking at, here's Charlie, let us create a perfect persona of Charlie. Let us figure out how to attract Charlie, because Charlie is a developer with four years of experience in XYZ who came from a great school. And from a human factor standpoint, if Charlie doesn't like you, it doesn't matter. You're wasting your time. What you have to learn how to do as an organization is know yourself and make yourself attractive to the kind of people who find someone like you attractive, to clarify what that stands for, rather than what we see a lot of companies doing, which is sort of tarting themselves up and trying to sleep with all comers. When does that work? It doesn't. Interesting. Interesting. So what does the future of the business look like? I don't know. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned AI a little while ago. I think um, two things are going to converge, or maybe three, in fairly short order. We all have tremendous, tremendous data sets about every one of us available online to anybody who's looking. I think the last election gives us a sense of how powerful and predictive those data sets can be. Right. So uh, I see a lot of motion in the space you're talking about in the AI space of trying to figure out, well, is there a way to aggregate and mine that sort of data along with the kind of stuff that I was talking about that we do from a more qualitative standpoint? Is there is there a technology enabled way to create a good match or a great match or a perfect match? between who you are and who we are, and maybe to do it way earlier than anybody's thinking about. We know from a, a psychological perspective that most of the variables that make you you are set in place fairly early in your life. We also know that you're broadcasting what makes you you um, fairly early in life too, as soon as you get on a social platform. So I don't think it's outlandish or too futuristic to say that maybe in 15 years we're going to see companies saying 
that guy or that gal is really interesting. And I know they're only 14 or 15, but let's start establishing a relationship with them. Let's see if we can get them involved in an internship program, because what they're doing and who they are seems to be um, our our IBM Watson tells us will be a good match for what we need some years down the road. Now, that example is probably too amped up, but I think that's where everything's headed. I think it's in the convergence of really two public profiles. The company is very transparent presence and all of the (laughs) micro presences that each of us puts out into the, um, into an aggregatable space. Uh, There are companies who've been doing that for generations. Intel in particular comes to mind, but, but, but the idea that you build a relationship with the early stages of the talent supply, because you want mm, uh, tighter control and predictability about talent um, is something that's caught the attention of some fairly big companies over the years. I, I wonder if you've if you've given any thought to something that I'm seeing, which is increasingly I am seeing companies try to express themselves in kind of an animatron personality, uh, and so. So when I look around at the experiments that are going on, particularly in software companies, but I think it'll probably spread fairly quickly, everybody is trying to figure out how to make the voice interface work. And if you're going to make the voice interface work, there has to be a predictable personality behind the voice interface for it to be effective. And that's led companies to start naming the... um, the the thing that you interact with most likely so sort of the next generation of websites is a a a more animated personality and it sounds like a lot of the work that you're doing um, actually would be a very interesting part of architecting those personalities because they're all from what i can tell rooted in the origin stories and foundation and personality of the CEO of the company as it exists today. Have you thought about that? Um, Yeah, actually we have. Let let me go back to the former point though and say, I I think you're, of course, the idea of um, reaching talent earlier has been around for a while, but I'd say the difference is they've been fishing with nets. And now I think, we're able to start fishing with hooks and baits, right? So yes, there's been a lot of sort of a shotgun approach to change metaphors to just broadcast out there to people who, for example, seem to be gifted at STEM. But that's not really about a match, is it? That's about we're Intel, we're a really big brand, and your mother will like that you worked for us. That's not about a match. That's just pure brand advertising. I think the match is when... When a brand is able to say, look, I know you and you know me and we fit, let's talk, that's, that's a step change. Now, the interesting thing about that and what you just said is they both kind of have to go through the uncanny valley of getting too human and too close and maybe getting really creepy before we're able to get to somewhere where we connect. Um, we need to be today very careful not to over-personify our brands because there's a point at which it becomes um, uncomfortable. We actually don't want 
um, we don't want the branch to get so close that the ways in which it's wrong disturb us. So chatbots, perfect example. We seem to be willing to deal with natural language conversation in chat pretty comfortably. We deal with natural language conversations over um, voice less comfortably, but we're still okay with it. I think that's going to progress for a while, and, and you're absolutely right. There, um, we're starting to have conversations with clients about how do we infuse the work you guys are doing with the work that our team over here that's building um, interface support is doing. But the next stage in that, particularly as mobile becomes more immersive and as our platforms become more immersive is, yeah, gosh, but what happens when I'm actually meeting that aggregate brand somewhere and it has to be personified more fully? We're not there yet, but when we get there, I think it's going to be both fascinating and a very tricky landscape for brands to navigate. I, I think that's right. I, I do think the, the, the really interesting experiments have begun. Um, and, and what we're going to get, one of the reasons I'm excited for the work that you're doing is, is the actual anthropology of organizations is a very thin, impoverished discipline. And, and we don't have interesting ways of thinking about how organizations actually work. Um, and we're about to discover a whole bunch of them because we have the processing capability and we're doing sort of the marginally ethical human testing on the way to finding it out. There you go. Um, so, we have come to the solid end of our half hour, David. Is there anything you'd like people to take away? Um, I guess the most important takeaway for us when we think about the landscape and probably for um, some of your listeners is this idea that brands have personalities, but employer brands are people. I, I think it's really important to remember that, particularly when you think about how that brand person is expressing itself across all of the touch points that your talent base has with the talent that you're making impressions on every day. So um, the old axiom of know thyself, uh, we think is really important. Fantastic. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they? Sure. Um, it's Kippen, K-I-P-P-E-N, at Eviva Brands, E-V-V-I-V-A, and then the word brands.com, or I'm at David underscore Kippen, or at Eviva Brands, um, and I, uh, we're also obviously going to be in Facebook and all the other platforms, too. Great. Thanks for taking the time to do this, David. It's, it's always a wonderful conversation. Thanks very much, John. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. And thanks for tuning in, everybody. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Dr. David Kippen, who is the CEO and Chief Strategist at Aviva Brands. Thanks for tuning in. And now a word from our sponsor. Ceridian creates innovative technology that organizations around the world use to attract, develop, manage, and pay their people. Its award-winning day four solution helps customers manage compliance, make better decisions, build great teams, and drive engagement with their employees. 
Ceridian has solutions for organizations of all sizes. Ceridian makes work life better. For more information, visit www.ceridian.com.